Hey Cottage Hill friends and family, thanks for tuning in. Uh, whether it's your first time being with us or you've been with us before, we just want to take the time to say welcome and we're glad that you're here. My name is Max, this is my wife Sophie, and we lead the youth group here at Cottage Hill Church. One of the cool things about doing church online is it allows us to tune in from all over the world. So go ahead and leave us a comment below and let us know where you're watching from. In a world like this, with everything going on, it can be really easy to lose hope. It's sometimes, and sometimes we even let our circumstances dictate our feelings and honestly, when things get tough, the first thing we lose is our hope. Yeah, and it's in these times where we really need to cling to the promises we find in God's word. Um, in Jeremiah 29 verse 11, uh, Jeremiah writes, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And in Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31, we see that Isaiah writes, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and they will not faint. So cling to the promises that we find in God's word. Cling to that hope and love that we find in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word and we thank you so much for your church. And we thank you that even though we can't meet together in person, we can still meet um, online through technology. God, we're praying that as we go into this service and we go into this time of worship, that we would cling to the hope and the love that you offer through your son, Jesus Christ. God, we're asking that you would do an amazing thing in this world and an amazing thing in our hearts. We love you so much, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Aloha from Hawaii. This is Jan and Gavin. I'm super excited that we get to have this opportunity to be able to share in a time of worship with you guys, um, you know, brought to you by... Uh, technology is super great that we get to do this um, and you know our our hope our prayer is that this will just help remind you of the hope that we have and the reality of who Jesus Christ is um, even in this time of just pure chaos that's going on in the world things are shutting down we can't even meet together but here we are meeting together in the Lord so praise the Lord um, you know, we're praying for you guys. We miss you guys. We hope to be back home soon. Um, and who knows, maybe we'll be home sooner than, than we were planning on anyway. So thanks, guys.
guys. Hey, well, welcome to Cottage Hill Church Online. I'm Jeff Chandler. I'm the pastoral team here. We're glad you're back with us. Or if it's your first time you've watched one of our videos, welcome. Our, our goal is to help you to grow in Jesus or to develop, find, and start a relationship with him. Hey, this week I'm in our cottage kids room, one of the rooms. This is the room we use for our four-year-old kids up to kindergarten. We try to create a space for them that is comfortable to them and will help them discover that Jesus has an interest in their life, has a plan for their life, loves them as much as he loves us. So if you're looking for a, a home church and during this time, maybe we hope you consider us with, with your kids, your family. We're trying to reach, to reach everyone for that. If you have a question about Cottage Hill or about something that we share in the course of our service, we'd encourage you to direct message us. We'll be glad to answer that back to you on Facebook or uh, emailing you if, if that would work better for you. They say in a, in a time of upheaval, one of the safest things to do and important things to do is just to maintain a sense of normalcy. And so you've been trying to have a new normal in family life and sometimes after a couple of weeks that might have gotten just a little bit stressful and a little, you know, a little afraid. Well, our normal here at Cottage Hill would be the first Sunday of the month We'd have communion or the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist, depending on what your church tradition is called that. And so we're going to keep that and we're going to maintain that. And I'd encourage you after you watch the video to get some bread or a cracker and something to drink and to just have a moment where you step back and remember, we're going to be talking about some things to remember today. Boy, if you're watching as a family, that's a powerful family moment for you to share, to get your children involved in that and to explain what it's about and this this memorial that Jesus has left us. You know, God's intent was whatever is going on in your home and whatever is going on in the world, his intent was that we would live in peace and safety and unity. We'd experience his goodness, experience all of him. Well, it isn't very far after he creates the world that that all gets blown. So a few chapters later in the book of Genesis, God chooses a man named Abraham and decides that his line will become a people. So you in the Old Testament, you have the people of Israel who are supposed to experience peace and safety and unity, experience God's goodness and experience God himself in such a way that they'd model that to the whole world and people would be drawn to the one true God. Well, again, you don't have to read very far in the Old Testament to find out that gets blown. It's, it keeps getting blown over and over. And so you get into the New Testament where I believe I believe God teaches that he sets Israel aside for a time and starts this new idea no one had seen coming called the church. And his idea for the church was to experience, yep, peace and safety and unity and God's goodness and God's fullness in such a way and model that in such a way that people would want to be drawn to become followers of Jesus. Well, again, you don't have to read very far into the book of Acts to find that gets blown. And so, in fact, that's why we have all of these uh, New Testament letters correcting things that are going wrong in the churches from the very beginning. And if you've been in church very long, you find out that we still have a very human factor in church life, and we still get in the way, get in the way of things. Well, in Corinth, it got so bad, in the city of Corinth, it got so bad that they couldn't even have a church supper together. When they had a church supper, you had the rich people over in one corner having rich food and plenty of it, and then you had the people that are just barely making it, bringing just enough to eat over in their corner and looking longingly probably at all the food over here, but nobody's sharing. 
what made it worse was after that, they'd have the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist. They gather together and remember the death of Jesus. So when God writes the letter, the first letter to, to the Corinthians, he, he starts to take that on. He says, this is not something that's right. It's just so wrong for that to be happening. So if you have a device or you want to turn to your Bible, I want to see what God has to say as we unpack remembering Jesus today in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 26. So let me read this. God says to that church, through the Apostle Paul, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after, he took also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So you have God taking that on and talking to them about that. You know, what we understand is the heart of that passage is this word, remember. We don't see the emphasis on the passage or even in the Gospels when Jesus is having the Lord's Supper as we know it with the disciples and it is the Last Supper. We don't see the emphasis on the elements as, as some of you might might have been taught or might, uh, might believe. In this passage, you have one phrase repeated twice exactly. Do this in remembrance of me. In fact, in this, the elements really don't receive much of, much of an emphasis at all. Paul's writing to these Corinthians. He's trying to, to deal with, with uh, he's trying to deal with them. He's trying to get them focused and he's focusing them on the community they share, this common thing they have in remembering Jesus. You know, there's this, there's this truth that I guess we could take away from this. For them, for us, it's very easy in this time of upheaval to kind of draw back, even if you're at home with your family, it's easy to draw back and take care of yourself and, and not pour yourself out into other people. So it seems in this passage, our, our takeaway or our theme could be, when it's about you, it's time to remember Jesus. In Corinth, it had totally become about them. And so the word from God is, it's time to remember Jesus. Maybe at home, maybe at work, maybe just deep inside all of your thinking and all of your the lid you're trying to keep on panic or worry or what if, it's become about you. And when it becomes about you, it's time to remember Jesus. Now, what exactly should we remember about Jesus? Well, important to remember who Jesus was and is. He hasn't changed. Important to remember when you think about him, your place and his place. I mean, Jesus is our friend. He's called the friend of sinners, and he is. But he's not our buddy. And it's important in this time to know he is high and lifted up. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He invites us to pray in his name. He says, whatever you ask, I'll do. And it's according to his will and the mystery of how that, how that plays out. But he's our Lord, and he's overseeing, and he's in charge, and your life is safe with him, and he, your life is safe following him. Remember who he was and is, and even though he's high and lifted up, even though he's seated at the right hand of the Father, even though he's uh, King of kings and Lord of lords, even though his name is higher than any other name that's given on heaven and earth, like the Bible says, he's working for you. He's using his power and authority 
to unleash life in you if you allowed him to. He says in, in John chapter 5, he calls himself the son of God. And the religious leaders understood immediately what he was saying. They understood that he was making himself equal with God. That's what John 5 says. That's who he is. And there's safety in that. It's important for us to keep him in that place. But then there's such security in knowing that he is Lord. Well, important too to, rem to remember he's always going to be that way. It says in Hebrews to a group that were, were worried, it says Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Who you read him being in the Gospels, how he related to people, the power that he had, that's still the same Jesus. Important to remember, you know, who he is and who he's, who he was and who he's always been. Important, too, to remember what his death has brought to you. He, he died on the cross, not just as a, a good moral example. He, paid, he died on the cross for all of our sin, for everything you ever did or didn't do, everything you ever said or, or should have said. Take a second and absorb that today. Every single thing you did, whether it was as a four-year-old taking your sister's toy, you know, and selfishly not giving it back, whether it was something you've done this morning that you know was hurtful and selfish. Every single thing Jesus took upon himself. And when he said it's finished, it was finished. Everything was fully paid for. I was, I was meeting with a group of guys one time, and we were trying to understand the, the gospel, and so many of them asked me in different ways, you mean this is paid for, this is paid for, and it just struck me. Jesus said, it's finished. He didn't say over to you. There's nothing left for you and I to do. In fact, if there's anything left for you to do to earn salvation or to earn forgiveness or to finish paying this out, then what Jesus did was a fail. That's a terrible thing to say, but that's logically true. If there's anything left for him to do, it's a fail. And so to those same Hebrews who are wondering, God writes this, he writes the letter to Hebrews and he, he speaks to that. But what Jesus has done has been a once for all payment for sin. It says, for Christ has entered, not into holy places made with hands, not into a human temple, that is, which are copies of true things, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year, this is an Old Testament, with blood not his own. For then he would have to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But here it is. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. That's Hebrews 9. Well, Hebrews 10 picks that up. It says, And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. He sat down because the work was done. That's what the scriptures say. That there's nothing left for you to do. Those of you that are trying to Figure out what you need to do to really get God's forgiveness. How good you need to be so that God will forgive you. Uh, how many times you need to go to church. How many times you need to pray. All of those things. The Bible says, remember Jesus and remember what his death has accomplished. It has accomplished the forgiveness of sins. Which is why the scripture always talks about salvation as a gift. The wages of sin is death. The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's, that's what Romans 6 says to us. What his death has accomplished. 
What his death has accomplished is your ability to live a truly new life. Not to be the old person, not to be the old person that you were. It's given you the opportunity to be a new person. That's what his death has accomplished. Hey, when you remember Jesus, it's important to remember, he wants this known. He doesn't want you to just keep this to yourself. He wants it out there. He wants it shared. The, the gospel is just a, the Greek word for good news. This is good news. And Jesus wants good news out as far as it can be. When this virus is over, when we can get out again and gather, we're going to be telling everybody because that's going to be great news. How much better How much better is this? And then another thing to remember about Jesus, remember he is coming back. You know, it says in this, it says in, back in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim, see, making it known, the Lord's death until he comes. Until he comes. You know, the, the night of the Last Supper that he has with the disciples, Jesus has this on his mind. He has his coming back, his second coming on his mind. Look, at, This is how Luke write, writes it. It says, when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then a little bit later, a few verses later, it says he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. So that night of the Lord's Supper, Jesus is looking ahead to his second coming when we'd all sit down at, at this feast with him, this banquet with him, and remember together. Important to remember for so many different reasons that Jesus is coming back, not as a lamb this time, but as a lion and, and as the judge. In fact, when he comes back, he's going to offer us a, a life. He's going to create a kingdom and we will live in peace and safety and unity and we will experience his goodness and we'll experience God forever and ever. And everyone who has a relationship with Jesus, everyone who's taken the free gift of salvation has that hope and has that confidence, has that confidence. Good day, church family. I pray that everybody finds themselves in good spirit um, because through the fear and uncertainty, we have hope, we have hope in Jesus Christ and through that hope, we can experience peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding. Um, there was a time where I didn't experience peace and I didn't ex have any hope. I was hopeless. I was living in despair. Uh, I had no desire to live. And um, there was a, a moment in time, a, a, a line of demarcation, if you will, where I was utterly hopeless before and it was suggested that I ask God for help. And when I asked God for help, um, I suddenly had hope. Um, and before I had asked God for help, uh, <clears throat> there were moments of prayer, um, individuals praying for me, over me, with me. And, uh, I even experienced, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit here and there, but I, I never embraced it completely. Um, and, and still thought that I had hope in other things and I was relying on, on other things. Um, not realizing that God was, was the definitive truth that I needed in my life. And when I asked God for help, um, my life did a 180 and, uh, 
there was a peace and a joy there that I that I cannot explain to this day. Um, that confidence, uh, that the expectation that that I could, the expectation of things to come, um, the hope of things to come, and I've experienced the hope uh, in, in trying to achieve or in trying to overcome. Um, and it seems very empty to be hopeless. Um, there, there's, there is no desire. There, there is, there is no confidence that you will get through the day. Um, but because of Jesus Christ, I have that confidence and I can pray with expectation that whatever goals I set or whatever it is that I'm going through, that I will overcome those, um, eventually that I will get through those, that I will not be left, um, stranded. I will not be left alone. And, um, that directly affected my family as well um, for my own personal life, which was in turmoil, uh, to be able to, to, to put all my confidence and reliance in God um, gave us as a unit hope for the future, that things would get better, that things would come together. Um, and we were able to move forward and things have, have, have come together <clears throat> better than I could have ever planned it. And, uh, and, and God was the definitive solution that I needed in my life. And God was able to rectify those moments of hopelessness, of feeling useless to this world and, and was able to, to fulfill the need and the void that I had needed and that I'd been searching for all my life, um, with this hope, I have a feeling of trust with God, um, and and again, it it it's just completely relying on that. That keeps me going, especially in times like these where we are experiencing uh, certain fears and certain and, and and uncertainty, where we we're not sure about anything any anymore. Um, and I've heard a few times that, you know, where is God in this situation? Where is God in our lives and in other moments? And, uh, and I just say, look all around you. Um, it doesn't take 2020 vision to see that God is working in and everywhere. Um, and we just have to seek it. And when we seek it, we find it. And we're able to, to, to take that, um, take full advantage of that uh, because we are not alone and um, we just keep in prayer and meditation that that God can can make miracles and move us in ways that we don't we have yet to experience or expect and uh, I'm confident that we will get through this um, as many other moments in our lives uh, where we've had questions and doubts um, I just know that if we completely trust and rely on God, that we have that hope that everything's going to be all right. Uh, and, and on his timing and in his plan that we will get through. Um, so I hope everybody continues uh, to be motivated, um, encouraged to pray. Uh, I've seen a lot of good things in individuals and uh and I try to focus on the positive and, and, and lead the negative out of the way. Um, and I'll just leave you with this. Uh, from Romans 15, 13, 
May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. God bless everyone. Six feet under I could have been lost forever Yeah, I should be in that fire But now there's fire inside of me Here I am, a dead man
Let me take a couple minutes to just wrap up what it means to remember Jesus and how that kind of applies to us. Give us some applications or some take-home things. We're finding out in, the, in Corinth and so often in our own lives that when it becomes all about us, it's time to remember Jesus. And we're talking about what are some ways we remember Jesus. Well, I want to just wrap up with what kind of effect should it have on us? You remember Jesus, you remember those things about him, but what, how should that affect you? Well, remember Jesus and realize your value. Remember how valuable you must be that he would do this to you. You know, maybe you don't feel very valuable. Maybe life hasn't, life's statement to you isn't that you're worth very much. Maybe you're an eight or nine year old and you don't feel like you're very important in this world. You're just a little kid, but you have incredible value to Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for you, on purpose, for you. Think about this. This is the worst night of Jesus's life. Tomorrow will be the worst day, the worst day of his life. This is the worst night of his life. It's his last night with his friends. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. He understands the physical part of it. He understands the spiritual part of it. This is his worst emotional night. He's having this meal with his friends. He knows they're going to desert him. He knows one of them is going to betray him. It says at this moment, that's the way that that uh, the Apostle Paul remembers it when he writes it down. What night was that? How would he tag that night? He would say, on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. In fact, the grammar there means that while Jesus is being prepared, being uh, betrayed, he's handing out bread. I mean, think about that. Jesus is handing out bread while Judas is handing over Jesus. So he's got that on his mind, all of that on his mind, and he leaves you and I a memorial so that forever and ever we will remember he did this for us. It's a statement that he's making about himself, about his compassion, about his heart, and about his love. And it's a statement that he's making about you, that how valuable you are that he would do this to you. Can you receive that statement? Can it have that kind of an effect on you that you remember Jesus and you remember what kind of value you had to him? Well, let's flip that over, that you remember Jesus and you realize his value. I mean, you remember who he was. He's the son of God. He's equal with God. He's living all of eternity in heaven and the splendor of heaven and the, we'll talk about peace and safety and unity and wonder of heaven. He leaves all of that to come for you, how valuable he is. He's the Lamb of God. He's the perfect one, lives a human life, never sins, lives a life serving people, and then he lays down his life for people. How valuable he is. Can you have that? Can you allow it to have that effect on you? This is the value of Jesus Christ. This is the value that he makes possible for you. How committed will you be to someone like that? Well, you remember Jesus and you realize that there is a new life for you. He didn't do this just to pay for sin, just so that you get a clean start. He did it so you get a clean start and you'd have the capability of living a new life, that you'd have the power within you to live a new life, not because you're you have this new resolve and it's a new start. I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to I'm going to grind it out. No. Romans tells us, Colossians tells us, Ephesians tells us that the Holy Spirit 
now lives inside of you. When you invite Jesus Christ into your life, when you surrender to him, when you ask him to be your savior and your Lord, the Holy Spirit fills you and now lives within you to give you wisdom and power, strength and direction that you never had before. In fact, the Bible will say that if anyone is in Christ, if you stepped into him, you're a brand new creature. Everything old is gone and a new has come. That's what Jesus said. I've come that you might have life and you might have it to the fullest. So remember Jesus and realize there's a new life for you. Don't borrow somebody else's confidence that, well, it's working for them. Have your own confidence. Paul wrote to those Galatian churches that were trying so hard to work it all out on their own and not realizing that Jesus had done it all. And he says, no, no, I've been crucified with Christ and yet uh, it's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. The life I'm living now, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Make it your confidence, your life, your new life. Take it, surrender to it, yield to the Holy Spirit, and, and allow him to change you, totally change you. Well, here's another one that flowed out of one of the things we thought about remembering Jesus, is remember Jesus and realize that people need to know. People need to know this. People all around the world. He's the savior of the world. He's the... He's the exclusive offer of salvation. There is salvation in no one else. That's what Peter would say in the early days of the church. Salvation in no one else. There's no other name given among men under heaven by which we must be saved. People need to know. They need to know that there's a Savior that loved them this much, that he would do this for them, that he would take care of all of their sin, and that he'd be the only place, the only relationship that they would know where they can find peace from their past and hope for their future. People need to know that. They need to know your story. They need to know what he's done in your life. It's his last command to us, and, and part of our mission statement, his last command is go make disciples. Make disciples. Talk to people and help them become followers of me. That's what Jesus said. And then finally, remember Jesus and realize that he's coming back. Some people think, I tend to agree, that what we're seeing in the world might be the birth pangs that anticipate his second coming. They asked him what would be the signs, and he said there'd be wars and rumors of wars, there'd be earthquakes, there'd be pestilences, nation would rise up against nation. But he says these are the birth pangs before the, before the end. And so they may be the birth pangs. He also said in another place, it's not for you to know the time, the hour. You're to be witnesses of me. Kind of reverts back to that last effect that it should have of telling people because we know that he's coming back. He says in, in 1 John 2, Therefore everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. I know Jesus is coming back. I'm making every sure, sure everything in my life is what it's supposed to be. I know Jesus is coming back, so I'm telling as many people as I can. When Peter writes his last letter shortly before he dies, he takes on people that say, oh, Jesus isn't coming back. He hasn't come back yet. And Peter says in chapter 3, he says, God, God isn't slack. He's not soft on his promises. No, he's not willing that anyone would perish. He's long-suffering. He's putting up with this world as it is because he knows more and more people will come to Jesus the longer he delays. So that's why he's delaying. So we live in light of the fact he's coming back. He's going to He's going to make life what it's supposed to be. He's going to set it up so that we live in safety and security and unity and we experience all of the goodness of God. We just want to make sure you and 
all those people around you are going to be there to enjoy it. Well, the Lord's Supper, the communion, the Eucharist, whatever name you want to give to it, it's all about remembering Jesus. Because when it comes about, because when life becomes about you, then it's time to remember him. And it's time to remember him and who he is and what he's done and how people need to know and the fact that he's, he's coming back. In these tumultuous days, there's incredible hope in that. Our prayer at Cottage Hill is that you're growing in your relationship with Jesus or that you're recognizing the need you have of a personal relationship with Jesus, that church doesn't bring you, that, that being good doesn't bring you, that just receiving him as your Savior and Lord will bring into your life and that change. So thanks so much. Thanks so much for sharing, sharing with us this time with us. We have a, another song that will follow up that we hope will encourage you.
Well, thanks for joining us here at Cottage Hill Church for our online worship. Hope you are having an opportunity to worship. Hope you'll take the time now to just remember Jesus and Lord's Supper and have a moment with just you and the Lord or you and your family with a piece of bread and, and a cup. Got ours here and Cindy and I will be taking a couple of minutes for, to do that. Hey, important for you to stay connected with people through the week. Also stay connected with us. We have an online fellowship that will begin around 11.15 and just about 45 minutes or so for people to kind of meet in a congregation place on Zoom that's given us that opportunity. If you'd like to know about that, you can email us at info at cottagehillchurch.com. That's info at cottagehillchurch.com and we'll be glad to give you the room number. We have room numbers where we have morning and evening prayer. A number of us meet at 8 at uh, 6.30 a.m. and 8.30 p.m. just to pray. Some people battling fear or just have things come up during the day and we just pray. You don't have to pray. You can come in, listen, and just ride, ride other people's prayers. Wednesday night, we have a prayer service that meets at 7 o'clock in that same Zoom room. And then Thursday night, our Road to Recovery uh, meeting for those battling substance abuse is also a meeting on Zoom. So, so important for you to stay connected. And as I mentioned, prayer is just one of, our, one of our mission points to be empowered by prayer. Hey, our needs go on just like yours. We appreciate those of you who are giving to Cottage Hill during this time. Appreciate especially our Cottage Hill church family. Just would challenge you to continue your giving and maybe a time when things are tighter and an opportunity for you to step out in faith and, and see God provide. Just a, a number of ways you can do that. You can see by texting Cottage Hill to 77977, giving online at our website or through your bank or through the mail or using the donate uh, button that you see on Facebook. So we are so glad that you've joined us. Part of what we're about is, is reaching you. We are here trying to cultivate a body that's empowered by the word and is equipped by the word. I don't know that. Equipped by the word, empowered by prayer to make disciples that change the world to become disciples and then make disciples. Have a great week doing that.